This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. One of the big questions is, what is money? For practical purposes, it exists in a series of heterogeneous databases, very different databases. Do you believe in crypto? Digital currency may be an answer. But it is the highly speculative asset. I do in Bitcoin. There is no second best. Welcome to the Crypto Curious Podcast, designed to help you navigate the dynamic world of cryptocurrency. We're here for anyone who is interested in crypto at all. Maybe you've already dipped your toe in the water, or maybe you don't know anything about it. This is the very beginning, but we recommend heading back to the early episodes to get your footing. However, if you think you're ready to dive in head first, then let's do it. Coming up on this week's episode, we touch on Bitcoin's performance since mid-year, we talk about the Binance hack, and we touch on what's happening in the metaverse. My name's Tracy, and I'm joined by my pals, as always, and colleagues from the Bamboo app, Blake and Craig. Hey, guys. How are you going? Pretty well, Tracy. How are you? I'm not too bad today. Hey, Craig. How are you going? Good. Thanks, Trace. What's happening? We all Not much. I hope this um, episode is more exciting than the market recently, because it's been a bit <laughs> boring. But that's why we're here. As you indicated, it has been a little bit vanilla in the market out there, Craig. Not a lot happening. So what has happened to the price of Bitcoin since mid-year? Well, it's gone down, similar to everything else. But a little interesting piece of data that's come across my desk, Tracy, is that Bitcoin's correlation with gold has hit its highest level in over a year. So Bitcoin has been, um, as you know, pretty correlated to equities but now, recently, Bitcoin is becoming more correlated to the price of gold. So since Bitcoin popped and hit above 20K, it was a 3% gain. That was like two weeks ago. Um, and gold had the exact same gain, gains in the exact same period. So if Bitcoin starts to act like a digital gold, like we always say it will, that would be promising news. But the jury is still out on it. What's your thoughts there, Blake? Yeah, it could be the case that, you know, through different periods in different environments, you know, cryptocurrency correlates with different asset classes depending on what's going on. Or maybe like in a proper bear market, Bitcoin will correlate to gold because everyone's sort of freaking out. And then when the bull comes back, probably will correlate closer to equities, I'd say. I don't know if we've seen that. I think it's over the last, you know, six months, we've seen very close correlation to the S&P 500. Mm, true. Look, and I think, you know, there was some more news last night from Jamie Dimon saying that he, he's calling a recession is going to happen in the next six to nine months. I was like, dude, isn't it happening now? But if, if he's calling it to happen in that in that amount of time, then, you know, what, is, what does that mean? That it, it's another run to gold? Does that mean that potentially another run to Bitcoin? Well, if the Fed keeps rising interest rates, what we've seen is that you know, the US dollar just gets stronger and stronger and mm. that's where people are parking their cash. Sidebar, did you see um, 
ARK Invest put the open letter out yesterday having a go at the um, the Fed for hiking interest rates. Yeah, because isn't, isn't Cathy Wood down like 90%, 78%? No, I think she, 78% from her all-time highs. So It's a good strategy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. if you don't ask, you don't get. <laughs> it's like asking for a pay rise. You don't ask, you don't get, yeah. even though the answer is always no. Just guys, just, just stop, <laughs> stop with the rate hikes, would ya? Just give it a rest. I think we'll leave it there and move on to our next story. There's a roundtable discussion happening right here in Australia this week about CBDCs and this is going to open up discussions around exactly what money is and how things will work moving forward. Blake, you've got some thoughts here. Yeah, so the RBA and the Digital Finance CRC um, are collaborating to do proof of concept or, or design a CBDC, which is a central bank digital currency. You know, the vision there is that one day we won't have paper money or you know, we won't be using the ledgers of banks to settle transactions, but rather we would be using the ledger of a blockchain like your Ethereum or one of the private consortium style blockchains that are available and, and often um, designed for these purposes. And, you know, what's really interesting to me is that, you know, the future of money, you know, potentially isn't as stagnant as, you know, the current technology that's used today. And, your know, money in the future could be used more like a protocol or like um, saying that you could build on top of, like build applications, build data ingestion engines, um, it being, you know, somewhat open source. So anyone can, um, can build on top of these protocols. So really, it's a bit of a paradigm shift in relation to how finance is, you know, managed. But the, the question I have is, I've heard CBDC as more so a settlement tool in the back end to so you know RBA can dispatch coins or whatever it is in the back end and it's a lot quicker and easier but i haven't heard the conversation be about replacing cash do you actually think that's a reality there will be a two tier money system for quite some time before that actually happens yeah but eventually i think it's going to completely go digital it will be you're looking at 10 years time 10 years surely mm. longer than that to wean out I think there'll cash. be two, I think that in 10 years time there'll be like a two tier money system and then it'll push towards that in you know in years after that mm. Mm. yeah mm. but um you know the technology for auditing you know could potentially be built on top of these CBDCs or the protocols that they rely on you know instead of you're know, using different systems to to audit so yeah be really interesting um, and exciting to watch that space develop but I know that there's also a lot of uh, a lot of people concerned about you know the RBA and the institutions like the ATO then having too much access to data mm. <laughs> and mm. um, you know yeah. potentially abusing it so it's certainly going to be a fine line. 100% that's going to happen. Look, I think there's going to be a lot of discussions, you know, a lot of input to see where this goes and it's certainly not going to be something that happens overnight. It's going to take a lot of time. So um, watch this space. Our next story, the Celsius dock story. During the bankruptcy proceedings for the Celsius platform, the identities of thousands of its customers has been revealed in court filing. So this is really unfortunate. So what happened was to avoid regulators, the Celsius classified its customers as creditors and not customers. And this is what led to the exposure of personal information. So apparently the court wanted to show that um, Celsius executives with 
withdrew millions of dollars before the company went bankrupt. Apparently it was the top three executives that withdrew this $50 million. But in the process, the data of all the users was leaked, the names, the balances, the transaction IDs, everything. Craig, you're quite across this story and you were telling me a bit more about it, but this this has affected a lot of people and, it, and it's pretty poor form and, you know, it's not a good look. Yeah, massively poor form. So there's a website actually called celsiusnetworth.com. It doesn't show bank details or show, you know, anything. It just shows the name and how much people have lost or how much people had in their Celsius wallets. Yeah, the top one has lost 40 mil, one person. Far out. That is madness. Wow. Pretty insane stuff oh. um, and quite worrying that this data is now public. So... I was actually searching my own name, even though I never used Celsius, but <laughs> someone that had my name lost about $4. So. Oh, so sorry to hear that, Craig Jackson. Can, is there, can there be a class action against them for this breach? Oh, mate, there's, all, there's already multiple miles. We'll add it to the list. Well, they got no money, so it would be pointless and futile at this point, wouldn't it? But And what's a, and have you seen, yeah, that you were saying before, like someone was tracking, um, what's his name, Machinsky's wallet, mm. and he's been selling like every single day. This is the danger with um, some of these projects and putting all your cash in, right? No, I just think this is a really sad situation for all those people involved and it just shows, I don't know what this shows really because they were very relaxed with people's information, you know, and to, to, to try and bring down three top execs, they were quite, you know, loose and candid with everyone else's information. But actually I feel really bad for the Celsius workers because they built a great brand, they built a great company and now they've been caught up in this complete schmozzle and everyone sort of hates them, even though, you know, they had no idea. Well, you know, I really hope that we don't hear any more from this Celsius story. You know, I kind of thought that we were over and done with when we talked about, you know, Alex taking that money a few weeks ago. But now, you know, this is the next chapter in the story. So hopefully we kind of close the book on this and maybe one day hear about people getting some of their money back. Who knows? But we'll, we'll wait and see and we'll, and we'll leave it there. Moving on to our next story. This one has been in the news this week a lot also. It was the Binance hack. Binance uh, saying a cross-chain bridge linking with its BNB chain was targeted enabling hackers to move tokens off the network. So unfortunately, this has been a big one. The hackers have stolen around $570 million in tokens from Binance in a rare blow to the world's biggest crypto exchange. Binance initially estimated on Friday that the tokens worth around $100 million had been taken, pausing the operation for approximately eight hours. However, the exchange later disclosed that the hacker had taken around $2 million of the cryptocurrency BNB, which is Binance's own digital token, with a value of around around $248 each. So the hacker targeted the BSB token hub, which is a bridge between the two Binance uh, systems. Craig, you know a little bit more about this one as well. Do you want to explain a little bit further? Yeah, so the tokens were actually stolen from Binance Exchange itself. I don't think any users were affected. But yeah, as you mentioned, this is a rare blow for Binance. They're seen as sort of the safety net of a lot of crypto users. Um, they have so much liquidity. The token's worth is tokens in the top 10. So you can assume that any mishaps, they do have the cash to sort of come back from. But yeah, as you mentioned, 2 million BNB tokens stolen. The hackers, you know, were moving money around a lot, trying to take their tokens they've just stolen um, into other assets. But this is a common topic we've seen in the last few months. Bridges are very 
susceptible to hacks because they're targeted. And I'll, do you want me to explain to you why, Trace? Yeah, I would, actually. I'll let you know. So three hacks have happened in the last six months. Nomad, Synapse, and Ronin, which was the Axie hack. So two billion last year. Two billion, that's insane. So why are hacks so, you know, why do people target bridges? So the idea of a bridge is when you move assets to another chain. So an example could be that, you know, you've got your Ethereum on the Ethereum main chain and you want to bridge to Arbitrum, which is a layer two because Arbitrum has cheaper gas fees. You might, you know, there might be a DAP that you want to use on Arbitrum like Dopex, which is an options trading app. So you need to bridge those assets across so you can engage in the second ecosystem. Now, what that means is with a bridge, you need a lot of liquidity on both ends because if you have five Ethereum that you want to change to Arbitrum, the Arbitrum bridge needs five Ethereum to grant you so you can move over. So there is a lot of assets on both sides. So that's why it's sort of such a huge target. And these new things like what Binance has done, these trustless bridges, you're relying on code, not on people, not on systems. You're relying on pure code and every software has bugs and we've seen multiple bugs being exploited um, in the last year. So it's interesting as well because these bridges are decentralized. Yeah, so some of them are. So the Synapse one, um, Nomad, Ronin, the Arbitrum one, they're relying on code only and people are, you know, exploiting them based off you know the bugs within the code. Uh, one of the, maybe the causes for this as well is that you know, lots of VC money has poured into these bridges because some of these bridges have been highly profitable. And there's definitely a lot of pressure, not just from the investors, but um, from a market like want point of view to get these products to market. And, you know, as we've seen, Ethereum and Bitcoin have really been tried and tested to be trustless over the last, you know, seven to 12 years. Um, whereas these things get put up you know, almost by the month. And, you know, there's just not that many quality, you know, smart contract developers out there, you know, that it's just not tried and tested enough. So would they have gone after BNB for a reason, which is because it's massive um, and it's one of the one of the bigger ones out there. So they knew that, you know, it would have had a quite a deep liquidity pool. 100%. I mean, what other, what other situations in crypto have that much liquidity in the one area besides maybe bridges and exchanges, which is... Obviously, we know how much exchanges are targeted. Yeah. Mm. So they were actually only able to steal $100 million worth. They were going after like $560 million, which would have been one of the biggest hacks in crypto history, I think, but, they, but Binance were on top of it. That's how slick they are and managed to stop it at $100 million, um, which is good for them. Well, essentially, I see it as a bug bounty. You know, often when you identify bugs in, in contra smart contracts and in code, the company will give you a reward for, you know, telling them about that bug. But, you know, otherwise in some situations, you know, these hackers, they exploit the bugs and really, mm. um, you know, it's it's no one's fault but Binance at the end of the day. Wow. Or that, wonder, wonder if they would have got paid $100 million for telling him about that bug. <laughs> Interesting, but like I said, that could it could have been a lot worse, but still a hundred million. Yeah, what was the what was the bigger one this year that we talked about? It was Axie. How much was in that one, Craig? Six hundred. Was it six hundred million? Yeah, that's wow. their biggest. 
bridge hack in history. It kind of reminds me of the Wild West and, uh, and bank robberies, but just the modern day version of it. Uh, we'll leave that there. That is, that's huge sums of money. On to our next story. I'm so lonely. So that was Justin Bieber singing Lonely in the metaverse, would you believe? And maybe that's what cleared everyone out of the metaverse because apparently it's pretty lonely in the metaverse right now. Adapt Radar Data is suggesting that Decentraland has apparently 38 daily users uh, and that's for a $1.3 billion ecosystem. (laughs) This surprising data suggests that the metaverse platforms Decentraland and Sandbox each have fewer than 1,000 daily users apparently and this is despite that massive uh, valuation that I just mentioned. These platforms say that these numbers don't tell the full story. I'm sure that's what they're saying. Uh, What exactly is going on here, Blake? You were the one that flagged this story with us during the week and we had a bit of a laugh but... Uh, yeah, it, what's going on with these metaverses, do you think? Uh, to be honest, I don't really know. <laughs> I haven't spent much time in them either, um, like everyone else apparently. Um, but I just don't know why we can't get our valuation to $1.3 billion with a 1,000 active users. I think I think it's a lot to do with, like, for example, Sandbox. They're at the CryptoCon actually, and I was playing, you know, their game that they had in their metaverse that's obviously not released yet. It could just be a case of, like, people have stormed in, bought, bought all the NFTs, and waited for the game to be properly created because it's not right now. Mm. I know Decentraland, you can play casino or you can play poker, sorry. Yeah. That's why I think that perhaps those numbers aren't quite right. I know that there's a lot of people at any given time on Decentraland playing poker. So they may not be officially in the land walking around, but they're there at a table playing poker, which I know brings their numbers up a fair bit. It's not the whole point of the land. But the mar- the market didn't even react to this. They still they're still holding their valuations. So maybe the nu- maybe the numbers don't tell the full story. Maybe there's there's probably so many assets and stuff tied up in that ecosystem that you know now they've got the funding to just oh, look. I think that there's there's staggering numbers of how much money is still to be deployed into the metaverse. Mm. You know what I mean? There's still we're still so far away from it being fully living up to its potential. I think that we're just still kind of scratching the surface on what it could be. And I think, you know, it was a big rush to, oh, my gosh, the metaverse, grab your VR goggles, let's jump in there. And it's just a little bit underwhelming right now. So, I mean, I'm not – I think that it's still a long way to go. And I think I raised the point, Tracy, that – Zuck's putting in what 10 billion a year to build his metaverse and at this rate you know these platforms may not even stand a chance yeah but look then it was the news that came out just this week of him sending an email out to all his devs saying please you know get involved and actually use what you're building because apparently they are not jumping in there and not actually using it because it's so buggy and glitchy they don't even like it (laughs) Well, you've got your VR goggles in the mail, Chase. The, yeah, they're, on, they're on their way. No, no, not yet. Wait I'm, wait until you play it. That's all I'll all say. Right. I'll wait till I'm playing with your dad. Thanks for the code, Mr. Jackson. So once I've got them and I've started to play, I'll um, I'll see I'll see how I go. The metaverse, there you go. We, we haven't been huge fans of it here on the Crypto Curious, but again, um, it's, it's still early days and we'll see how it goes. But let's take a break there, and when we come back, we'll get into our short, sharp news bites for the week. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Crypto Curious podcast. Let's move on and give you guys the short, sharp news bites, which I'm hearing uh, word on the street is a crowd fave. So... Let's give it to you. This week, uh, news dropped just last night, so I'm going to start with this one. Google, guys, did you hear this? Uh, Google Cloud and Coinbase are teaming up to build advanced exchange and data services together. So select Google customers will be able to pay for cloud services using crypto. This came out last night and seems like it's big news. Anyone have any thoughts on this? Coinbase have their own wallet, which a lot of users have similar to a MetaMask, so they've got their own Web3 wallet. So um, that'd be great if you can just click pay with Coinbase and mm. go through that way. That's awesome. Coinbase are kicking some goals. What do you think, Blake? Yeah, it's really cool, but I'm really, I'm actually kind of surprised that Google didn't um, go down the path of, you know, starting to build out some of this infrastructure for themselves. They're very monopolistic mm. in, in nature by, you know, taking out whole industries with new apps. Well, that just, just shows you what they think of Coinbase then. You know, that's huge news for mm. Armstrong, mate, legend. Well done. Blake, what, what's next? Yeah, FTX has partnered with Visa to expand um, its debit card program to over 40 countries, you know, so people can have cash on the exchange or in their mobile app and then use a associated card to pay for their day-to-day expenditure. So, yeah, this is huge and we're just going to see more and more of this. It's kind of interesting to me that, you know, we still need to rely upon these mm. settlement layers, um, even yeah. though we're, we're using, like, you know, it's just kind of like, uh, what am I trying to say? It's kind of like a trick. Like what you're not using the crypto for its purpose. You're using a Web2 settlement layer. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I think this is all part of the slowly integrating and making the normies understand what's going on. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Craig, what's up? So a DAO for Moonbirds, which is an NFT project, Proof, which is sort of the group behind it, is allocating a total of two and a half mil into the DAO and 35% of all secondary sales will go to Moonbirds and their secondary project oddities in the form of ETH. That's pretty, That's I think that's market best rates. So that's pretty good for Moonbird holders. But I think they're like seven ETH or something ridiculous. So mm. if you have one, let me know if it's worth <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, they certainly are ones that haven't been affected too badly with um, the NFT uh, drops recently. Pop stars are going to Web3. So Warner Music Group is collaborating with OpenSeas to grant artists like Cardi B and Ed Sheeran early access to new products and dedicated space on the OpenSea site for up-and-coming releases NFT projects. Uh, WMG is also hiring for a position to help expand its footprint into the metaverse. So that's just another big name going forward. So Warner Music Group heading uh, into the NFTs with the help of OpenSea, which is pretty cool. What's next? 
So Japan, which is known for technology advancements in the late 90s, but sort of been lagging since then, they are getting amongst blockchain and crypto. So the Prime Minister of Japan said the government will be making efforts to promote Web3 services, including those dealing with non-fungible tokens and the metaverse. So we'll see where that goes. So Tobias Lukti, the CEO of Shopify and one of the top 20 richest Canadians in the world, he's a massive crypto nerd and he loves his NFTs. He recently posted on Twitter with a picture of a Tyler Hobbs Fernandez collection. It's one of the NFTs that's kind of that that swirly looking one that came out a few years ago. Right now, the cheapest one of those is around 125 and I reckon his was one of the earlier ones, so it's probably at least double that. But um, it's really cool to see the CEO of Shopify really getting behind um, crypto and the NFTs. But the Fidenza collection trace, that's actually um, generative art. Yeah, on the, yeah. So I think he's made a program that spits these stuff out, which is like yeah. the first of its kind. Pretty cool. So another Web3 trademark alert. So the, the Formula One has filed for eight trademarks that include plans uh, for NFT and crypto trading, as well as a retail store um, for virtual goods. So as we see, you know, all our sporting institutions uh, moving into this space to you know, look at ways to generate additional revenue. So, yeah, we're going to see some are going to execute really well, others aren't, and, and some are going to be collector's items for years to come and others are, are going to be worthless. <laughs> Good luck guessing which one's what. Yeah. So more Binance news. They are pitching in for Elon Musk's Twitter deal. We spoke about last week how Elon Musk is now – you know, his hands are tired. He needs to go through with the Twitter deal. And Binance guys are chucking in 500 mil. Just a little just a little help for Musk. <laughs> so as you know, Twitter have the NFT profile pictures. They've got the Twitter premium where you have to pay a little bit. So Binance want to be on the cutting edge. And, you know, Elon Musk and Jack Dorsey had those chats, um, those text message chats that got leaked. And they're talking about making Twitter a decentralized you know, sort of platform. Yeah. Do you think this is a bid for the Binance chain to be the backbone of that decentralized platform? Definitely. Definitely. There's some hidden agenda there, but <laughs> honestly, like good on them. 500 milli, like for them, it's worth a punt. And that's it for this week. Hopefully you can join us again next week. Remember to keep the questions coming and tell us what you want to know about crypto. So send us an email at podcast at getbamboo.io or follow us on all of our social media channels. All those details are in the show notes below. And don't forget to rate and review us on your podcast app. Thanks and see you next time. Cool, guys. See ya. See you, guys. Crypto Curious is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Equitymates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of Crypto Curious are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Equitymates Media does not operate under an Australian financial services license and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act of 2001 in respect of any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. 
In a spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Crypto Curious acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to the elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.